You are listening to Bear in Mind, the University of Northern Colorado's official podcast. Join us each episode as we listen to the voices from UNC faculty, staff, students, and alumni as they offer insights of local or national importance. This is your host, Dan N. Cox, bringing you just a taste of UNC. One of the things about African Americans and uh, our history in Colorado is that it goes back far beyond what some people believe. So for instance, the Lewis and Clark expedition here in Colorado had an African American that was there. His name was York, he was a slave, but he was treated as equal to the other members of the group. And it was York that learned some of the Indian languages, could converse. He uh, did a lot of, uh, he had a lot of fun. And one of the things that some of the Indian tribes did is that if you were considered to be a powerful person, and depending what tribe it was, it's 500 tribes now, but you could have a sexual relationship with a woman of the tribe because it was believed that the power of this very powerful person would go through the woman and into the child. And York, being a black man, and for some of the Native Americans, that was the first time they saw a black man, and they thought he was wearing war paint. But not only that, they thought that he was so powerful he never had to take off his war paint. So therefore, nobody knows today how many children York had going across uh, to the West Coast. But he was a leader and so forth, and he teamed up with Chicagoway. Sometimes people pronounce their names uh, Sacagawea. But those two, when it came time to voting on some things, had equal voting powers with the rest of the group. Unfortunately, when the group went back to the East, York believed that he, because of what he had done, was going to be treated the same as whites were treated and found out that that was not the case. He was again officially a slave and he was even beaten because he refused to follow orders. So the history of blacks in the Colorado area go back to um, the time of Lewis and Clark. And there may have been some blacks here even earlier that were traitors uh, with the Indians. Denver, Colorado was one of the areas that black people were able to not only survive, but do some great things. Now, particularly after slavery, before slavery there were some black people here, but after slavery, there were some people who wanted to get out of the South and move as far north or west as possible. So Colorado was one of the places that they came to. Now in 1859, there was a gold rush. And black people were part of the gold rush. They built their communities and some became pretty wealthy. In the Denver area, there were many black people who came out here and they were able to do very, very well. In fact, there were five black women that owned a gold mine and were quite wealthy. There were others who did all kinds of things. Now, at first, the governors out here in Colorado really did not want 
blacks to come here because they say it will ruin things. But fortunately in Denver, there were a group of men called the Loyal Legion. The Loyal Legion were white men who led black soldiers in the Civil War. And they were so proud of the fact of how black soldiers performed that when the governor said they didn't want black people out here except to do, you know, carry hod and do all these kinds of things, they said that they wanted black people to come out here and become regular citizens. So they supported blacks when they came out to the Colorado area. Now, there were some blacks that came out here whose fathers were white, who were the slave owners. And that's another little story because what they would do, because they came out and not that many black people knew who they were, they had straight hair, sometimes blue eyes, light skin. They went up to the mountains outside of Denver and married into the white community there. And then every once in a while, they would come down from the mountains, hang out with their black family for a few days, become black again, and then go back up to the mountains and be white. And fortunately for us, the man who started the Black American West Museum in Denver also interviewed some of their descendants. And there were some cowboys out here that were also black. And the younger gang that rode with Jesse James, uh, that was, according to the interviews that were conducted, that was the black part of the younger family. And so there are blacks, as my father would say, in our family, we have in-laws and outlaws. So we see all of this out here in Colorado. But black people were able to do for themselves. They were able to open businesses. And uh, they really took advantage of everything that they could. And also, as we, uh, as we know, there were Buffalo soldiers out here. Now, the Buffalo soldiers were black soldiers. Their units put together following the Civil War. That was the only law sometimes between Canada and Mexico in many areas. So if you needed something done, you would go to the black soldiers, and they were the ones who keep the peace, arrest the, um, uh, the bad people. They also strung up the telegraph wires and did a lot of other things as well. But another aspect of them is that they also played sports with people in the towns that they were near. So it was the black soldiers who promoted games such as baseball and others competing many times against whites. Now, by the time you get to the 1920s, 1930s, in Denver, there was uh, some like minor league uh, kinds of baseball things that were pretty uh, almost national. But it's in the 1930s that you start seeing integrated baseball teams. So Greeley, for instance, had a team called the Greeley Advertisers. I think they're associated with newspapers. And this white team had a black pitcher. There was also a team that came out of Michigan, and these were men who never shaved, did not believe in sex or so forth, and they were some of the best of the minor league baseball teams. And they had a black pitcher. How, what they did is that they put a false wig on him and a false beard, and people thought that he was white, and he played with the House of David. And then as the years go by, pretty soon there's not that many people interested in baseball in Denver. The attendance goes down. And so one of the people who organized the, these uh, baseball games said, well, maybe we should open up to African-Americans. And they, the teams became integrated, was open up to African-Americans. 
And many white people, they might not have liked black people, but they knew that some of the best baseball players were African-Americans. And all of a sudden, the attendance at baseball games in, in Denver explodes with this. So though many people know about Jackie Robinson, and this not taking away anything that he did, but about 10 years before Jackie Robinson, there was integrated baseball in Denver and also in other parts of Colorado. Now, there were other problems, too. And um, so, for instance, black people were not allowed to go into some of the swimming pools in Denver. So there were some protests against it that were actually started by high school students, and they were successful. There's also the rise of the Ku Klux Klan in Colorado. Colorado had one of the largest Klan claverns in the country. But the Klan in Colorado were more against what they call foreigners, Native Americans, and Catholics. So on their cigar bands that they had, they had the words, uh, letter C-Y-A-N-A, Catholics, you are not Americans. There weren't so much against blacks because there weren't that many out here. And so it was actually some people who were members of the Ku Klux Klan that helped some blacks in business out here, as strange as that may sound. And also, with the Klan itself, there was a medical doctor who was light-skinned, who was proud of to be black, but had very light skin, and he joined the Ku Klux Klan, was undercover. So black people in Denver knew what the Klan was up to, and they were always one um, you know, just one foot ahead of what the Klan was doing. Now, you still had to act certain ways and so forth. However, uh, there was very little um, that went on between the Klan and blacks that was very, very negative, as you would find in the South, the Southeast, and other parts of the country. So this is a little bit of some of the things that happened here. Also, black people were able to set up their own towns and villages, some of them were not incorporated, but there were at least 25 black towns in Colorado that started in the late 1800s. And these towns had their own mayors and so forth. Uh, I work with one called Deerfield, which is uh, about 25 miles east of Greeley here. And there was a farming community, very successful until the Dust Bowl came in and wiped out all towns all the, out on the eastern plains pretty much. But there are at least 25 black communities in Colorado, and uh, some of them did very well. Some of them were only in for a short time. And also, to keep the news together, from the late 1800s, Colorado had approximately, and I've listed them, approximately 100 black newspapers. Some of them just stayed for an issue or a couple issues. Sometimes you only know about them from some of the other black newspapers. But the newspapers that carried all kinds of information about African-Americans were not just distributed here, but found their way up to, up to Wyoming and Montana. So it was a big distribution area for many of these black newspapers. My name is George H. June, Jr and I am Professor of Africana Studies here at the University of Northern Colorado. Well, Africana Studies is unique because it was one of the first such departments, it was called Black Studies, one of the first such departments in the country when it uh, became a department in the 1970s. 
and has gone from a department to a program to a department to a program back and forth over time. But we were one of the earliest ones. And we still make sure that we teach many different aspects of African-American history and culture. So we do um, Africana studies, which is a study of blacks in the world, wherever they live. So it includes Europe and Asia and so forth. Uh, histories dealing with African-American history and culture, uh, black psychology, uh, black music, and many other different areas. So if you want to know something about African-American history and culture, this is where you come and take some of those particular classes. And now we also started a program for teachers. And so you can be certified in African-American history and culture and also have that part of becoming a teacher. Because the fact is that when you go out to become a teacher, you're not going to be, no matter what color you are, you're not going to be in all white systems here in Colorado, although there are some there. The likelihood is that you're going to be in systems that have peoples of all different colors. And so you can be certified that you know something about black history and culture to give that to your students.